Okay, um, welcome to the Speech Path Podcast, and this is the podcast that talks about everything speech pathology. I'm Amy Conrad, and today we're talking to Wendy Crock. So would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Okay. My name is Wendy Crock. I am currently in my, hopefully my final year as a PhD student at Purdue University. I am a certified speech-language pathologist. I've I worked in the field in the schools and in private practice for 11 years before coming back to school to get my um, PhD. Okay. Um, so you obviously worked in there for a long time. Did you, was there anything that you, um, was like, a, can you pinpoint anything in your growing up or your education that you're like, I really want to become a speech pathologist? Or was it a gradual, more of a gradual process? Well, I went to undergrad and got a degree in psychology. Okay. And I decided towards the end of that process that I did not want a PhD. So okay. um, I was looking for a, a new career that I could do without getting the PhD. And my mother worked in um, the hospital and therapy services, so she had me um, shadow some different therapists and different physical therapists and audiology. And I really liked speech language. I love languages. I could work with children. So it was kind of wasn't, it wasn't a planned pathway at okay. all. Okay, okay. Um, can you describe your education for us a little bit? So you started in psychology, mm-hmm. and then did you have to take any more undergraduate classes, or did you just go straight to your master's after you? I had to take a year of additional undergraduate classes. Okay. Is where I got. I went to University of Michigan, and they did not have a speech pathology program. Okay. So when I transferred, I had to take a year and then go to get my master's degree. Okay. Did you? Where did you get your master's? At Arizona State. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and then how did you end up here for your PhD? Hmm. I was working as a clinician, and I really enjoyed working as a clinician, but I really wanted to specialize okay. in this field. You have to be able to see people, clients with multiple different um, disorders and problems to work with. And I really like child language, and I decided that specializing was something that I really wanted. And I also wanted to teach, and so it was a good combination to come back and do some research. Okay. Also, a, there's not a lot of research-based practice out there, Okay. and that was it was hard to justify my methods without a background. That's interesting. Okay. Um, So you said you worked as a clinician for 11 years. Mm -hmm. Did you um, have a favorite venue or environment that you worked in? I worked in the schools and I worked in private practice. I loved working in the schools because I liked the school environment. Okay. It was harder to transfer my certification from Arizona to Indiana, so I ended up in private practice. I did like the time that in private practice that I had with the kids, that I could be one-on-one for half an hour rather than trying to squeeze a bunch of kids into a group for 20-minute sessions. So I did, there are benefits to both. Okay. But I really just like the school atmosphere. Okay. Was there, is there a hardest part about being a clinician or a worst part, something that you don't enjoy? Well, um, you can't help everybody. And I... I've had some clients who I've had to refer on to other people because it just, I wasn't able to make the progress with that client that I thought was best. And 
in the beginning as a new clinician, it's really hard to accept that. Okay. That you can't help everybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, and the progress is slow. Yeah. But. Okay. So you've worked with um, mostly children then, mostly kids. Have mostly. you ever worked with any adults? Or I guess what kind of, um, like what kind of cases have you worked with? I have worked with mostly children. I did in grad school. I worked with an adult with traumatic brain injury. Okay. He was a young adult, and I really enjoyed that. And then the rest of my adult hours I got in the schools with students who were over 18. So they weren't necessarily really adult hours. Okay. I really just love working with the kids. But I've worked with kids with fluency and voice and um, autism. Okay. And selective mutism and everything. Okay. Do you have one facet of that that you particularly enjoy or you're really good at? Well, I love child language and okay. specific language impairment. Okay. And that's why I'm doing research in the oh, area. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, do you see a lot of like the same types of like similarities in clients or is everyone everyone's different to a certain degree, but are some people more similar than others? There so are like when I worked in the schools there were a lot of the school-age kids with language impairments tended to have similar issues. Everybody's their own unique combination, mm-hmm. um, but they all they all had something in common, or m- most of them had something, some common goals to work on. Okay, okay. So. Is there, do you have, like, a specific case that you, like, felt like you did a really good job with, or it was really successful does that not come to later? Um, I had a, in private practice, I had a client with apraxia, childhood apraxia of speech, and it's a little bit of a contested issue, but he really did, and um, he made a lot of progress, okay. and now, just because of where we live, I've seen the family, I've gotten to know the family outside of the clinical area and I've listened to him talk he's probably 10 or 11 now and I started with him when he was three and he had nothing intelligible when he started and now you would never even know he was in therapy and I think that just really that was great yeah that is great how often do you not how often I guess how long do you usually see clients for a year for Mm, some are pretty ongoing for okay. quite a while. In the schools, kids would start in kindergarten, and by fifth grade, they still weren't out. Okay. Unless they were Arctic clients, then you could get them okay. pretty quickly. Okay. That's so, because um, with a language impairment, similar to a reading disability, you're going to have the problem for life. It's right. It's learning, right. learning new ways of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. But with each... Every time you age up, you age into a new skill that's going to be difficult mm-hmm. for you. Okay. Um, okay, so switching gears a little bit mm-hmm. from clinicals. So was there, can you pinpoint a specific time that you really wanted to go back to get your Ph.D.? Or was it just kind of a building up of, I know you mentioned um, there wasn't a lot of clinical-based mm-hmm. research, or research-based clinicals, but. Right. Well, I do remember sitting in a conference um, and looking around at the people who had been clinicians their whole lives, thinking I didn't want to be that person. Okay. I wanted to be the person 
talk, giving the talk. Not that I like public speaking, but I wanted to be the person who was very specialized and very knowledgeable okay. about a particular area. Okay. So that that's cool. Um, so can you describe your research a little bit more in detail of what you're doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I just completed my preliminary research projects. They were kind of all over the place. <laughs> but I did. Uh, I work with kids with specific language impairment. I did a meta-analysis looking at um, the trouble that they have producing past tense okay. endings and kids across Germanic languages and even in non-English languages, kids with SLI still have those same problems. Okay. And um, my dissertation is going to look more at some some learning issues, some on um, learning those endings, verb endings and grammatical markers and how we can improve their learning and maybe eventually extend that to therapy. Okay. Okay. Um, is there anything particular that you hope to gain from this research? Do you have a particular goal? My biggest goal is really to help um, contribute to a research-based practice okay. or evidence-based practice. Because I, having been on both sides and going to ASHA conventions, you can see there are research sessions and there are clinical sessions. Okay. And very few people mix. The researchers go to research, the clinicians go to clinic. And if clinicians come to the research sessions, their very first question is always, how do I apply this to research? Or how do I apply this to my everyday life? Okay. And we just really need to find more communication with, with each other okay. because ultimately we're trying to help people right. communicate better and if we have some research to back up what we're doing in the clinic then it just makes it stronger. Okay. Um, do you have any plans after you finish your PhD? Would you ever like to continue clinically or? I would. I, I guess I don't know if I want to have do my own but clinical research is definitely something mm-hmm. so if I get to the point where I can do research on intervention techniques, okay. I would love that. And I'd like to work in the, with the community on that right. if possible. Okay. Um, all right, just to wrap up a couple questions, do you have any advice for undergraduate students looking into speech pathology as a career? Well, I think um, undergraduate students are really, it's hard to get into grad school. So they're very focused on getting the grade a little less focused on learning the material to see if they really actually enjoy this and this is something that they would want to do for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. So I I think if they can step back a little bit from the A and see is what I'm learning enjoyable to me and is this something I want to apply to my life work um, and then make that decision from there. Okay, that's good advice. Do you have any advice for grad students or young clinicians, something that you wish you would have known maybe Mm. when you were starting out? Well, maybe going back to what I said earlier about how you can't help everybody. Right. And not every story is a success story. And um, you have to be okay with that. It's it's not easy, especially most of us in this field are probably some sort of perfectionists, and we really care about people Mm. and to work with somebody and not see the progress and feel like you are a failure can be really difficult but um, it's it's okay. There are other people who may be able to help that child or that family and you're not it, 
every single time is not going to be um, a success. Perfect. All right. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much. And if you want any more information, then you can go to speechpathpodcast.com.